Welcome to another heartfelt episode of Elisha's Space, where we explore the power of healing and resilience in the face of life's most challenging moments. Today, we are honored to have a very special guest with us, Linda Triplett, the author of the deeply moving book, Healing Reflections for a Grieving Mom's Heart. Linda bravely shares her journey of moving forward after the unimaginable loss of her son, offering a beacon of hope and solace for those who are navigating the turbulent waters of grief. So join us as we embark on this emotional and inspiring journey with Linda Triplett and discover the light that can be found even in the darkest of times. Hello, audience of Elisha's Space. It's always a pleasure that you have joined us today. I never take these times for granted because I never know who's going to be listening, how this is going to help you, and how this is going to give you greater peace and joy and hope. That's the purpose for this show. So I really appreciate you coming on and and listening to us today, audience. Today, I have with me author Linda Triplett. She wrote the book, Healing Reflections for a Grieving Mom's Heart. She had reached out to me and told me a little bit about her story. And I couldn't think about how much you all would really appreciate hearing what she had to say. So, Linda, I really thank you for coming on the show today and for joining us at Elisha's Space. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Could you share with us a little bit about your journey? How did you get here? How did I get here? Well, it'll be 26 years, August 4th. It was August 4th, 1997, when our 23-year-old son, just married three months, had an accident with his plane. He was a flight instructor. He and his student went down on a city street in New Richmond, Wisconsin, he was able to exit the plane, but it blew up and he didn't survive. So I'm very sorry. He had the grief journey. Thank you. He was what you call a golden child. He, he was almost perfect. And the only saving thing with all of this is he loved the Lord. So I hate to say he's lost. He, I know where he is, but I lost him from this life. So we started the grief journey. And boy, I can't explain. The first month, you're just cotton-brained. You can't think of anything but trying to breathe and get through each second. As time went on, I began journaling with Adam, just telling him about my day and how I felt and how much I missed him and how angry I was about things. And at night, I couldn't sleep. And from that, a lady from our church had just had a husband die and was looking for help to do some things. She's an author. And um, Mark was telling about our journey with Adam, my husband, Mark. And she and he said she wrote a journal. And Lisa said, please, can I read it? And what happened there is she read that journal and said 10 years ago, she had had a baby die at 10 months old. And she said that was the first time she felt free to grieve was by reading my journal because it, it confirmed what she felt, that it was okay to feel that. So from there on, that journal, I didn't know how to market it. We we published it, self-published. And and gave it away, ended up giving it away. In that time, we started up a ministry called Love Never Fails. We um, began with scholarships, and we ended up giving what we call love baskets with care items in it, and sent it to over 2,000 moms and dads that wow. were really grieving. Yeah, so from that, 
Mark had found somebody on a LinkedIn, and she was a, a published author and speaker, national speaker. And now Mark is your husband, right? Mark is my husband, yeah. Okay. 53 years, 53 years and seven days. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, anyway, he sent my journal to this woman, and he sent his book that he had written, and she saw my journal, and she put it to her chest on Zoom call, and she said, you have a story to tell, and you need to do it to help all those hurting people out there. And that's how it evolved into that many years wow. later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's been a God moment. God has opened every single door to this. I have no doubt I'm doing the right thing. It's for my heart. My heart has always wanted to help. So studies show that it can take a minimum of 10 years. Some people never, ever get past the loss of their child. Mm -hmm. So how did you begin? What brought you to a place of going from the place of grief to trying to present a message of hope for others who are also grieving? My heart in the very beginning, nobody teaches us how to grieve. Right. Our society is very poor at even telling us how to handle grief when someone we love is grieving. A friend of mine from Chihuahua, Mexico, her dad had died when I worked with her. They allowed them to grieve for a whole year without questioning it. They allowed them to wear black. They they took their hats off when they walked past their house. Ours is three months max. And then it's like, can't you get over it? Let's move on. Uh, and, and you're just coming out of the, the shock of it. So, or even when you work a, a nine to five job, they give you three days. Well, let me tell you, my, my husband almost lost his job. He started back after six weeks and his boss told him to get over it and grieve after 5 p.m. Wow. And, yeah. Very heartless. And Mark called HR and thank God it was a good HR at the time. She said, you take all the time you want. And she called his boss and just reamed him out and said, that's not okay. You let that guy, you let that guy grieve. He's lost a huge part of his life. So from there, I think the thing was, Misha, my heart is very compassionate. It always has been. And I just remember not knowing what to do. I, I wanted someone to tell me that I'd be okay. I wanted someone to tell me this is going to happen and you'll get through it. Because I didn't believe it. I It was either die or survive. And I knew I couldn't take my life because my parents, they feel what I felt. And I couldn't do that to my family. So I decided to survive. And I'll tell you what, it was a hell of a job. It was so long and so painful. But I just kept focusing on moving forward. I didn't know what else to do. And now I've learned, you know, give yourself grace. Right. And I think I did. We, we began um, seeing a counselor and he told me right in the beginning, he said, whatever you choose to do is okay. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't hurt yourself or someone else, it's your grief. And you can't let anyone else tell you how to grieve. It's your grief. You do what you need to because it's all okay. And that was kind of a freedom for me. I started, I didn't worry about what people thought. I started telling everybody I met, I'd say, my son died first thing and they, oh, wow, whoa, you know. But I talked about Adam nonstop, nonstop. I did when he was alive. And when he died, I just kept talking about Adam. And it is probably the most healing thing you can do is to talk about your loved one. And if someone won't listen, that's too bad. Just come over to the next person that will. Because it's very honoring for their memory. And um, it feels so good to tell this story. 
that's why we did the love baskets because we were able to tell everyone what happened to us and tell them about the story about Adam and his life. So that's kind of where I moved forward. Just, it was day by day. And, you know, we made some stupid mistakes through it. And, but God has been faithful. Even when I left him, I was furious at God when I found out Adam died and took me two years of not talking to him, but I never doubted he was there. I just, I was furious at him. And I said to my counselor, I am so mad at him. When I see him, as I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to kick him in the shins. And he said, he'll probably lift his robe and let you kick all you want. And that was just a breaking point for me too. It started the healing process because God does understand. You know, he's been there. And so it's just a journey. It is. And I people that are stuck, it breaks my heart because they don't have to be stuck. Mm-hmm. It's it's not healthy. It's right. not. One thing that I was told, this is really important, what I was told by our counselor, if you don't grieve now, 20 years from now, you'll begin the grief journey because it's going to stay with you until you do that grief journey. And I thought, oh, I am not going to feel like this even 10 years from now. No way. And that was a great lesson for me because it's the truth. It's just the truth. I met a woman that is physically so ill. Every part of her body is ill and she will not acknowledge that her child is gone. You know, she just stuffs that away. And it's the worst thing you can do for your brain and your body. And I'll also add this, self-medicating only makes it worse. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had a similar conversation with someone and encouraged them as painful as it is to go through the process. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get through it? You walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. When I work with people that are dealing with or experiencing depression, there's somewhat of a path you can go through. Mm-hmm. Even in some areas of trauma, and this is a trauma, mm-hmm. but this grief is, and I'll call it an animal all by itself. It is. Because there is no, it's like, if I can use the statement, it's like, it's like a kid. You can't, your grief experience for one experience can be completely different for another experience. Yep. Absolutely. There is no playbook for grief. Mm -hmm. There is, you just have to walk through it. It's so lonely. It's just so lonely because nobody does get it. Nobody does understand. And the ones that you want to understand, a lot of them walk away because they don't understand and they it makes them uncomfortable. So I use an analogy and I did this way early in my grief. I pictured a huge storm and I am in the middle of this storm, the eye of the storm. And on one side, I can see sun coming through and the other side is thunder, lightning, everything. And when that thunder hits, it's like my heart just breaking. And I focus myself on seeing that sun I, to get through that storm. And it is amazing. Eventually, you'll get a little closer to the sun part rather than the storm part. And it, it worked for me. It worked because I just kept focusing. I need to get, which I think is cool because sun and God, Jesus, sun. Right. But, um, at the time, it was just the sunshine. Just get to that side. So I kind of focused on that. I know for people that I've lost and that other people have lost too, you get snapshots in your mind of Mm -hmm. the small things that you would take for granted, Mm -hmm. you know, something weird that you guys would laugh at that, Mm -hmm. that comes or just even the person's smell, you know, 
it comes yeah. it's like those very small minute things it's like brings you to that place of that loss right how would you say those little snippets had helped you throughout your grieving process how did that help you i kind of think of them as triggers in the beginning it was painful everything i thought of because i didn't have it but eventually they became more wonderful than painful they brought me joy. They made me smile, you know, remembering goofy things Adam said or did. Even the thought of just him wrapping his arms around me and calling me, Mom, I love you. In the beginning, it was so horribly painful. But I can look at it now and go, oh, that was great. I wish that I can't wait for him to do that again. Yeah, in the beginning, I, I honestly think most of them are kind of triggers. I know people that couldn't even have their pictures out because it's right. too painful. Right. And, me, I got, I still have my fridge plastered with pictures that went on there 25 years ago. So I love them. <laughs> so it's all different. Everybody's grief is different and nothing is wrong. It's all okay. How has your perspective of grief changed from today versus before your son's passing? Like how did that shift for you? Before his passing, I'll tell you what, I was very nonchalant in my religion my faith. And I had that, like most people think, you know, heaven's going to be boring and, oh, wait, I don't want to be there yet. I need to see this and that happen. I need to see Adam be a pilot. I need to see my grandkids. And and it, it was very flighty. And unfortunately, a lot of people believe that. I don't think our churches teach what how wonderful heaven can be. So after Adam died, I wanted to learn everything I could about where he was. And the more I learned, the more I can't wait to get there. I'm not afraid of dying. I, I got through this, and I'm proud that I got through it. And I'm, I'm proud of Adam for everything he represented. But, yeah, if I died today, it wouldn't be sad. And my sister said it one day. She said, you know, when you die, I'm just going to jump up and say hallelujah. Because she says, I know how much you want to be in heaven. So... Yeah, that's how it's in the beginning grief. Oh, heck, I didn't even want to talk about it. You know, a neighbor of ours had a little girl, two and a half year old, die in her sleep. And oh, my heart just was wrenched out of it. But yeah, my I heart, didn't even think about this. Hearing that is just like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was she was in the hospital having another baby when all that happened. But, you know, I, I still, I couldn't relate to that being my child. Like, right. oh, no, don't let that happen to my child because that's not going to happen to my child. Right. And what it does, it will. It can. You know, you never know day to day. So you should appreciate every moment you have. How did you get over your anger at God? <laughs> took me a long time. It took me a long time. I, you know, in the beginning, I was like, okay, Adam died doing what he loved. He got out of the plane. He promised me he'd always get his plane down and he'd get out. And so... I thought he was the unconscious one in the plane. And when I found out that he was the one that was outside the plane and burning alive, I couldn't even relate why God would let him die like that. Adam was a beautiful child. He loved the Lord. Why would he let him die that way? And so I just shut down. Uh, I wasn't going to talk to a God that allows that kind of stuff. And how I came through it is, well, my counselor uh, never told me not to be mad at God. But he prayed for us every day after our counseling. He let me spew. He let me scream at God. He let me swear at God. But I knew in the back of my mind, even though I wasn't faith-filled before Adam died, 
that God was still there. He was waiting for me. He he was going to wrap his arms around me no matter what. He wasn't going to let go of me. And eventually when I started thinking that more, I felt so much better. It, it, It was such a comfort just to know that he understood. He's taken my tears and I love Revelation 21, 4, where it says there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more sadness, no more sickness, because that's what I'm watching for. That's what I'm looking for. But it took me a long time to get there. Uh, I just had to work through. I was ticked off at God, and, but he let me be. And I think that's so cool. He, he said, I get it. Go ahead, child. Have your tantrum and I'll just be here waiting to wipe your tears. I don't even see it as a tantrum. I think it's something you had to deal with and go through throughout your healing process. Right. Right. I know of someone who lost his daughter and he was also very, very angry at God because she passed away in a car accident. And the conclusion he came to is he's a he's a pastor. And I think the conclusion that helped him was just remembering that we are in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we, even though we are redeemed, we are in a fallen world. And there are some things that happen as a result of being in this fallen world. Yep. And strangely, that gave him more healing and brought him to a greater place of acceptance because he was having such a hard time understanding. She was hit by a drunk driver. And he just didn't understand why God would allow her to be taken mm-hmm. like she was because she was such a good person. Like there, she was similar to your son. She was someone that it would be very hard for others to say something negative about. Yeah. She was just a very kind hearted, sweet person. And that was something that he had said helped him was just remembering to expect perfection in this world is never going to happen. Ever, ever. The other scripture that just came to my mind was when Jesus said that we would have trials. In this Mm -hmm. world, you will have trials, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So how did you, I recognize that you're still in that place of overcoming because it takes a very long time, very Mm -hmm. long time Mm -hmm. to experience healing when you have this great loss, this type of a loss. But how would you say you're going from a place of surviving to a place of overcoming? I've overcome. I, one thing I think of is, um, it's like when you lose a limb. And, you know, eventually it heals and you live without that limb, but you never forget about having that limb. You right. you still think it's there sometimes. And that's why I kind of would think about Adam or my child is I remember him. I'll never forget him. I can, I'm living without him. I'd rather not. But that's sort of how I overcame. My big one was being able to share my story and help others. Mm-hmm. It is the best thing I could do to honor Adam and to move forward was to tell people you're going to survive. 
is so difficult, but let me help you with it. Let me give you some insights on what I went through. And I've had people come up to me and say, you're spot on. I mean, everything you said is exactly what has happened to me. So it feels so good to be able to do that. And that has helped me overcome. I feel like God has given me something to do in this in this life before I move forward. And um, I'm doing it. My heart is at peace with that. So it sounds like you sharing your story with others and seeing the positive effects of yes. that yes. has helped you to get from a place of surviving to overcoming where you just don't feel like you're functioning throughout the day. You feel like you're... Right. Immensely. I remember the moment that this Lisa read my journal and told me what it meant to her. It was like a door opening for me. Because I remember thinking, my heart felt so good to be able to have someone say, thank you for helping me. I understand my grief more. Yeah, so that was a door opening for me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hearing other people's testimonies has helped. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important, and I say that in my book about finding something. I know a lot of people right now are thinking, there's no way. There's no way I can do anything. But even if you join a grief group, you know, like compassion friends right. and share your story there um, just to get that story out really helps. And if you can find some way to help someone, I have a beautiful story. This lady wrote and told me her, when her child died for their birthday every year, she goes to the bakery and she asks who has a, who's buying a cake for a child. And then she pays for it. And she puts a little note on there and says, this is from me remembering my child because his birthday was on the same day as yours. I think that's just wonderful. So, and it's so good for the person doing it, you know, it just is like, yeah, I did something for them. I also am of the opinion that what you said was so powerful regarding you go through it. So Mm -hmm. I think that also brings you to a place of moving from a place of surviving to overcoming because to me, surviving is you're functioning, but it's like you're still like you're like a robot. It's like you're just here. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's almost like you're just waiting for it to be your turn to die pretty much. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like you're just kind of floating around. And that's the best way to put it. It's like it is. It is. It's like everything is lost. Yep. And you just can't figure out. But I think that one of the ways to overcome is to actually go through it, experiencing Mm -hmm. those emotions, allowing that pain, as bad as it sounds, to penetrate your being and allowing yourself to feel that. You have to. You have to. Yeah, you just Cry if you have to. Oh, gosh. Write if you have to. Punch something if you have to. You know what I'm saying? But allow yourself to feel that because on the other side of that is where the healing comes. Right. But I especially, you know, I realize the podcast goes worldwide, but as Americans, I agree with you. I don't think we have been properly, I don't know if the word is taught, but we're taught you just keep going. You just keep moving. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. person. And and you just and, and the reality of it is you can't just do that. No. You know, you just can't do that. I mean, especially when it's a loss like a child or a family member you're close to, a good friend, mm-hmm. husbands, you know, we didn't touch that, you know, when you, someone loses a spouse. In some cases, I think that's parallel, if not worse, 
for some people when they go through those experiences because that's your partner for life and then that person leaves you. Yeah, I have some, someone told me something early on. The ones that had the baby die at two and a half years old, uh, we met them for coffee after Adam died and they said to us, you can't lean on a broken fence and you're both mm. broken because our, our grief wasn't the same. I'd have a pretty good day. At least I was alive and I could breathe and I got through work and I come home and Mark would be sobbing. I mean, on the floor sobbing and I think, oh no, not now. You know, I just don't do that right now. Same with him. He'd come home and I, I would be still in bed and not done anything. And he'd go, oh, come on, you know? So we, we couldn't, he wanted to make me feel better. I wanted to make him feel better. And we couldn't. There's no way we could. We were both hurt, broken. So that's why I, I'm so adamant about counseling, getting some help. You talked heavily about counseling. And of course, I support that 1,000% because I'm a counselor. But mm-hmm. also, what other supports did you use to help you through this time? I used compassionate friends. Mm-hmm. We went to that. And, you know, it was okay for a while, but we realized we needed that one-on-one. So once in a while, I'd go alone and he, or he'd go alone. But we needed that one-on-one so that we could learn from each other how we should treat each other, what we should do. Mine was books. I craved. A lot of people say they can't pick up a book or watch TV. I craved books. I craved to read something where someone would tell me what to do. Someone could tell me what what this was, what was happening, because there is nobody out there that can tell you that. Even I can't even tell you. I can only tell you what happened to me. So I, it's a, such a very, very lonely, lonely time because people don't get it. They don't understand. And a lot of them are judgmental. A lot of them say really stupid things. And, it, and a lot of friends leave. I had my very best friend disappear after two months. And a year later, I found out where she was in Texas, finally. And um, I asked her, why did you do that? I mean, you're my best friend. We talked every day. We did everything together. And she said, I couldn't handle your sadness. I didn't know what to do. So she chose to just walk away. And I read that in a book. And I went, just to hear that confirm it's something that happens was like, okay, I can let that one go. That's part of the grief journey. So I think that's the big one for me is just finding information, any information. When Adam died, there wasn't a computer like now. You couldn't mm-hmm. Google anything. or So, um, yeah, it was the books, and there were very few books. Out. If I found a book that just told me you're going to feel joy again, that was like got thrown in a pile. There is no way I felt joy. I just wanted to hear somebody say, yes, it's really bad. This is hurts, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my strong one. Counseling, journaling was so important for me because I was able to put in words on paper what I was feeling, and I really felt like I was talking to Adam, just telling him about my day, about what went on, about how mad I was at God. I told him about that, so it was good to put that down. And you know, later on, when that became kind of the end of the journal. I could look back and see where those first days were mm-hmm. and where I was now. And wow, it's amazing that the human body can handle that because it's such a trauma to the brain and to your body. And you don't think you're going to live. I, I never knew a human could cry that many tears or not be able to breathe. They're crying so hard. 
but I look at that, what it was like, and I look at what now is, and I go, wow, you can survive. You can. I um, often think of grief <clears throat> as a new transition mm-hmm. because especially when it's a close relative or a close friend or a impactful relationship, while that relationship has resolved into something else, it transitions you to a new path. Yeah. Your life is never, will never be what it was, what you thought it would be. We were going to um, sell our house at 55 years old. Mark was going to retire at that age and we were going to buy a condo and we were going to have Adam flies around the world. You know, he'd be in the carpet, I'd be flying for free. Hey, that's what I wanted. And so when that didn't happen, dang it, there went my dreams and of grandkids. And uh, wow. Adam was so family oriented. He loved my family. He loved playing cards on Saturday. He loved picnics. So all of that would have been part of our world. He would have brought the grandkids over and it would have been a different life. And I had to learn to accept that it's not that life and transition to get there. Yeah. How did you get there? How did I get there? Um, day by day, day by day. That's all I can say. One big thing for us, I know everybody can't have this, but four months after Adam died, our first grandchild was born. And I say she was a lifeline for us. She was the only thing that made us smile, even through our tears. You know, we can wait to be with that child. She's 25 now. I still feel like that. I get teary-eyed thinking about it. Unfortunately, not everybody can have that. And that was a big one for me to keep on for Morgan, for my grandchild um, and my daughter. So, and I know one of the big regrets that I've had is nobody told me to be more understanding of my daughter. I felt like I needed to shelter her. And Adam was her very best friend. And, you know, Adam was married three months. So when people saw me, they asked about me and Mark and about Karen, his wife. How's she doing? But hardly anybody asked about Katrina. Wow. I didn't want to call and cry to her. I felt like she's sad enough. And I realized now, gosh, the last thing I should have been calling her every day and saying, hey, I'm having a bad day. How's your day going? You know, I really miss Adam today. How are you doing? And bring her in on my grief and let her share her grief. And that is probably my biggest regret that I didn't do that. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, yeah. And it's... I believe that as long as we are above ground, there's always a second, third, fourth chance. Mm -hmm. So I think that this subject topic and the subject is so very, very important. I thank you for coming onto the show and talking about this very personal and making yourself open and vulnerable to have this conversation with me about this audience. I encourage you to check out her book and read her book. I will be starting a grief support group as well for adults. So if that's something that's of interest to you, you can always reach out to me and I'll have the information on the um, in the description for the podcast episode as well. Before we go, do you have any upcoming projects or anything coming up that you'd like to share with the audience, Linda, before we go? Um, basically, I'm just speaking to groups around town, small groups, grief groups. The biggest thing I'm doing right now is just promoting my book. I wish I could give it out for free, and I wish I could just hand it out to every single hurting heart. 
I believe in it that much. I believe I'm doing the right thing. I know God's blessed this. And so that's it. Mark is my, my husband's my admin and he's doing a great job sending out emails along with me and just trying to get the word out. That's it. That's my, that's my goal right now. Well, audience, if you know of someone or if you are experiencing a deep loss, I highly recommend the book. Thank you. Um, as you're probably picking up in the podcast, Linda is very, you know, she just has a heart of just wanting to help people. She, she, and I, I appreciate that. I believe in what people around me that are sincere and authentic. And I'm, and that's why I had her on the show. My hope for you is that although you're experiencing such deep, deep pain audience regarding this subtopic of grief, that you will walk through the journey that it takes you through as you move forward in your healing journey. I thank you for joining us and I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll subscribe so we can keep the conversation going. Now go move forward in your healing journey.